Welcome to the SOS Church Stockholm podcast. We are an international church in the heart of Stockholm that meets every Sunday at 12 p.m. at Drottninggatan 81. The celebration is in English with translation into Swedish, Farsi, and Spanish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations, living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. It's so wonderful to come together on Sundays worshiping Jesus, right? We are in a series that we call A House of Prayer. And it is because the church is called to be a house of prayer for all nations. And, and, and the value of the house is determined on what you're filling the house with. And, and if, 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 if we are not coming together in the name of Jesus in this place, this is not a church. This is just a facility where you can do all kinds of things. But when we are coming together in the name of Jesus, we know that this is turned into a church. And it has an enormous value because it's a meeting point between heaven and earth. It's a place where you can come and you can receive something from God. You can receive a word from God. You can receive a miracle. You can receive a healing. You can receive a prophetic word. You can have your life changed because God is in this place. Uh, so when we are coming together, it's a house of prayer. Uh, SOS Church have always been about praying. Because there is no, no greater power than being on our knees, lifting up our hands, admitting that, God, we need your help. We need your help in this place. And, and, and I think living in the city we are and in the culture we are living in, we really need the help of God. Because we are living in, in, in a nation that is not going after God. Once upon a time, this nation was founded on, on the biblical foundation. And a lot of people were searching for God and going off the, the presence of God. Uh, but now a nation has been turning away and has become a very secular nation. So if you want to follow God, you cannot live like everyone else are doing. You cannot behave like everyone else are doing. You need to be a bit different. Uh, and it's easy to fall in for peer pressure. Everyone that's been a teenager know. Uh, we, were, we, we, we had different kind of peer pressure. When I was a teenager, the pressure was always to do something extreme. You know, jumping off a high cliff into the water. And you were standing there with your friends. And, 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 and everyone was standing there for half an hour. Then one jumped. And then everyone, okay, we all need to jump. You know? Or we were standing up in a, in a, in a, in a ski sloop. And, and it was some kind of big jump. And if someone went, you know that I have to go. <laughs> it was just like the nature of peer pressure. But that function in, uh, not just for teenagers, it's function of working places for, for adults. It's functioning in, in, in the society all over. And we need to know where we're standing. We need to know who we are. And I think it can, all, all, uh, can only happen when we are a people of prayer. Uh, I have a clip that is symbolizing peer pressure. Can we, can we have that? It's from Japan, I think. Two women out walking.
You know, it's, it's easy to change direction when everyone is running one way, but you think like, this is the way to run, this is the way to walk. Uh, but if you're heading in another direction, you need to keep on walking. And I think if, if we should keep on walking in a direction that many people are not, we need some strength, we need some confidence in who we are. Uh, someone that was standing up against the peer pressure was back in the days in, in, uh, in Germany during the Nazi re- regime was August Lant- Landmesser. He had been part of the Nazi party in early 30s. And he, was a, uh, he had joined the Nazi party, but after a while he was falling in love with a Jewish girl. And when he was falling in love with a Jewish girl and he saw where the party was heading, he understood, I, 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 cannot, I cannot just follow along doing what everyone else were doing. So, he's, so he stopped. He was living different. He refused to join in like everyone else did. He tried to escape out of Germany, but he was stopped at the border. And, and they, they were trying to force him to leave his his. He was not allowed to marry, and he was not allowed to stay with his Jewish girl. They tried to force him to to leave her. But when he didn't, he was forced to go into a concentration camp, and he was there for three years. And when he went in there, it was the last time he ever saw his his wife, and the last time he ever saw his two children that they got together. Uh, because they took her, and they, they, you know, they took her life when, when he was in that, that camp. And eventually he was going to uh, be betrayed to die as well. Why? Because he was standing up for something that no one else did. But he was doing the right thing. And he had the confidence to stand up for something that no one else was standing up for because of love. He loved that girl and understood this is the right thing to do. He had some core conviction. And as believers, when we're falling in love with Jesus, when we're falling in love with His presence, when we're getting to know God, we understand, I, I, I'm not going to live like every, everyone else are. And we have to developing some core convictions, some standard that we are not giving in to or giving in for. And I think that there is no other way to do it than, than living a life of prayer and living according to the Word of God. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 is written like this. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, uh, God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. What is a pattern? A pattern is a habit. It is a way of life. Don't live like everyone else, but be transformed. How can you be transformed by the renewing of your mind is written? How can I be renewed by my my mind? It is by the word of God and prayer. I'm coming regular to to place of prayer. When people are believing in the same God as you are, when people are worshiping, praying, and encouraging you, I think that is vital to be transformed 
to your mind so that you can think different, live different. And I think that, that the Bible is giving us a lot of good instructions and, and, and different people that we can learn from. And, and the story in the Bible that teaches us the most in this, I think, is the story of Daniel and his friends. And if you've been reading the Bible, you know about the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And if you have never read the Bible or maybe you're in the church for the first time, there is, the Bible is divided in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the New Testament starts with Jesus. But then in the Old Testament, there is a lot of different prophets. And it is a story of Israel, the history of Israel. And we're going to go back into the Old Testament and a story when the Jewish people, they were taken into captivity, into Babylon. And, and there is a man named Daniel and that will will also give the name for a book called the, the book of Daniel. He's a prophet, and I think we can learn a lot from, from his life. Because they were under pressure to change the way of living. They were under pressure in a very in, in a culture that was far from the culture they were growing up in, and that was living far from serving the God that they were believing in. Uh, so I'm going to Daniel 1 and 4. Daniel 1 and 4. And what you should know is that when they took them now into exile and they wanted to change the mind of the people. They wanted to renew the mind of the people, but not in a good way. <laughs> they wanted to change them. And when they wanted to change them, they were aiming for the young generation. Because it's hard to teach an old dog to sit, we used to say, Right? It's hard to, to change the mind of someone that is older because they are who they are. <laughs> you don't change them so easily. But someone that is young, they are in the process of being formed. So it took now young people and wanted to change them. And I think that when the society wants to change, change the mind of us and the mind of people, it also aims for a young generation, right? Young man without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude uh, for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine at the king's table. They were to be trained mm -hmm, or changed, we could say, for three years. They were in the process of changing them. They had learned something by their God and in their culture, but they now wanted to change them in, into something else. And then they were to enter to the king's service. Verse 7. Among those who were chosen were, were, some, uh, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Okay, they were changing their names. You know that the name is very tied up to your identity, who you are. A name always has a meaning. My name, the meaning of Christopher is Christ bearer. And I'm very happy for it because I, I, I think it says something about what I've been devoting my life to do. I've been devoting my life to preach about Christ, to try to lead people to Christ, to worship Christ, to study the word that he's been giving. I, I'm trying to live by that, you know. And, and in the Hebrew culture, they were very conscious when they gave someone a name. It should match what they think God had in, had in store for that person. So it was kind of like a prophecy of who you are. All right, but what they try to do now in the Babylonian nation is that they want to change the identity, who they are. 
So they gave them new names, and, and, and I, I just want, want you to see this. The name Daniel, we can take the next slide. The, next, the, the name Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. But they gave him the name Balthasar, which means lady protect the king. Speak him out of a different meaning, right? From male to female, changing identity. From focus on God to focus on man. From focus on an all-powerful God that can protect me, and he's the, only, he's the one that will judge me one day, into protecting a man, protecting a king. Changing the identity of a man, right? Hananiah, which means Jahweh has been gracious. And Jahweh is a, is a name for God. Like, my God, he's full of grace, basically what it means. To Sadrach, which means I'm fearful of God. So, so changing from God is a good God to I'm afraid of God. He's like a tyrant. I have to hide from God. Changing the identity. The, the third guy is Mishael. And they change it to Meshach. And Mishael means who can be compared to my God? No one. It's a name that is bragging about who God is. But they're now changing it to I'm despised and humiliated. In other words, I'm despised, you know, like God doesn't care about me. I'm humiliated. I'm left alone. I'm sent away. That is the meaning. Azariah means Java has helped into Abednego, which means a servant of Nebo. So from God has been my help, God has helped me into I'm serving or I'm a slave of a man. They try to change their identity. And I think that living in this culture, we will meet a couple of tests. And one of the tests is the test of identity. Your identity will be tested. This culture will try to form your identity into something that you are not. That's the same threat that the, that the Israelite people met back then. But I think if we should stand, we need to be people of prayer. <laughs> if we shall stand, we need to come into a house of prayer, encouraging one another, having an atmosphere of prayer and the presence of God. All right. Amen. Uh, what, what you will hear said in this culture is, you are what you feel. Follow your feelings. That's the worst advice I've ever heard. If you're telling a young generation, follow your feelings, where would you be if you followed all the feelings you had as a teenager? Most of you wouldn't be married. You wouldn't take responsibility. You wouldn't have a work. You wouldn't have an education. You know, like, if you just follow your feelings, it won't lead you to a good place. You need to discipline your feelings. You need to have a framework for your feelings. Feelings is like a fire. I think I have a small clip on a fire here. And, and if, if you light a fire, you often put stones or something around the fire, right? Feeling is like a fire. If you have some, some framework for the feelings, the feelings is an energy in your life. You know, like it's a heat, it's a passion, it, it, it's going to help you. But if you have no framework, it can burn down a city. A small fire can burn down so much. And if you just let your feelings loose, it can burn down your life. I think that you need an identity. I think that you need a framework for your feeling. And when, when Jesus was born to this earth, the Son of God came. And he was growing up like, 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 like a human being. And I think that he kind of figuring out who he actually was. 
He was different than the rest. And, and probably didn't know it when he was two months old. You know, like, because he was a man and he was God in one. So it's kind of like a strange combination. And, and probably he was wondering, who am I sometimes? And God was kind of revealing more and more, no, you are something special. You're called, you're, you are the son of God, actually. And maybe he was in his human side, maybe he was qu questioning that many times. Because no one have ever been both God and man before. And, and, and if you're telling your, your other friends as a teenager, you know, I'm God, they are like, sure, we know who you are. You are a carpenter. So probably Jesus was struggling knowing who he was. But then when he was baptized in the Jordan River, uh, we can read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 16. It's written that as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up up out of the water at that moment heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and a, a lightning on him and a voice from heaven said this is my son he's telling him who he is God the father is not asking you asking him who are you he was being baptized and he heard from heaven, who are you? I'm, I, I guess I'm, I feel like, I, no, he's telling him, you are my son and I love you and I'm well pleased with you. Amen. I think that if you want to know who you are, if you want to be confident, if you want to be able to stand up in a culture when everyone else are bowing down, if you don't want to fall into the peer pressure of being like everyone else, you need to hear the voice of a heavenly father. You need to be a person of prayer so that you can understand who you are, that you're called to be different, that you're called to stand out, that God has a higher calling for you. God doesn't ask the son, who are you? He is telling him. And I think as, as parents too, you can tell your kids who they are. You are loved. You are a boy. You are a girl. That's your identity. Amen? You, you know, we, we are not just living by feelings. We need a framework. Otherwise, you're going to drift. Drift around, not knowing where to head. And I think that the Word of God is giving you a framework is giving you an identity. And I think that more than ever before, you need to base your identity in the Word of God and in the presence of God. Amen? This is what, what they faced. That a test that they faced in Babylon was the integrity test. They wanted to be different. We, we, have, we have a film clip of a fish that is swimming against the stream. I think this, is, this was Daniel and his friends in Babylon. This is you, that is us in Stockholm. If, if, if we're not going to live like everyone else, you need to swim against the stream at times. You need to live a bit different. It's easier to just turn around floating. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's what, not what, what, what the fish is for. They die. And it's just a dead fish that is floating with the stream. Someone that is alive is swimming against it. And I think that, that as a believer, when you're living with the Holy Spirit, you are strongest when you're, when you're swimming upstreams. The church has always been most powerful when it has been persecuted. Uh, because then you need to stand on the Word of God and know who you are. In Daniel 1 and 8, it's written that 
that but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself this way. He knew who he was. He knew what he was eating and not. He had some core convictions. And, and you need to develop core convictions based upon the word of God and prayer, the presence of God. And a core conviction is, some, is, is a decision you make before you're tempted. Before you're standing in a trial. And then when you're tested and when you're standing in a trial, it is faith. <laughs> to stand that trial is faith. Conviction is something you decide before. It's a pre-made decision. That if I ever face this, I'm going to stand by these values. Because that is the truth. But then it's your faith that is that endurance to stand out and stand firm when you are being tested. A man and a woman are people, or a man or a woman of prayer is a man and a woman of convictions. If you're a praying person, you have convictions. Because you know that tomorrow I will go down on my knees again. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to open up my Bible again. I'm not deciding myself. I'm following God. I'm following His Word. So I have convictions. So I'm not giving in to live like everyone else are. Daniel was being now tested. Uh, tested. They were eating a food that they did not. And, and, and I think that if you want to live different from other people, the focus is not on being different. The focus is on what you should do. So the focus is not, I cannot do this. The focus is, I should do this. I learned that about if you want to eat, you know, eat healthy, it's easy to focus on, I cannot eat these things. But then you have no plan on what you're actually eating. <laughs> it's much better to make a plan what you're going to eat that is healthy. Because if you're filling yourself with healthy things, you're not hungry for something unhealthy. And if you're filling yourself with prayer, if you're filling yourself with the Word of God, you're not hungry for other things. <laughs> you know, if you've been praying for two hours, you don't want to go out sinning. Because you have something that is so much better. Something that's been giving you life. So we're focusing on filling us with the right thing. Then it's written in Daniel 1 and 12. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with, uh, with that of the young man who eat, at the eat the royal food and treat your servant in accordance with what you see. So he agreed on testing them for 10 days. They were under a test. I tell you, you will be tested in this nation you will be tested but that is all right god is much more interested in your character than in your comfort and that character is being developed when you are being tested 10 days 10 is the is the number for testing in the bible we have 10 commandments we should give a tenth to the lord tidings in the upper room, there were 10 days waiting for the Holy Spirit to fall upon them. One of the churches in, in, the, in Revelation, they will be persecuted for 10 days. So 10 is a time of testing. And when you have been tested, you will always be better. When you're standing a test, you will always be stronger. They were 10 times stronger and healthier and better after they had been tested. Testing is not a problem. You just need to stand the test. That's your faith. And it's written at the, in verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any young man who ate the royal food. So you are going to be stronger and healthier and happier and a better version of you when you stand by God. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, 
the all-American president, they said this. My concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. Because God is always right. And, and, amen? And, and I think that's a good way of living. We're not going on our lives and pray, please God, bless me, heading this direction. No, we are seeking God's will and say, God, where are you going? God, what, what are you up to? How do I want me to live? Give me your instruction for life. Because then you're just joining into what God has already blessed. And you'll notice that you're under a protection from God. The third test that they face, and I think we will face, is the worship test. The worship test. All right. And some of you, you know this story, but we are all tested in the worship test. What do you worship? Worship is about what, what do you value? What do you place worth in? And we're all standing in that test. We're all being tested at that. And, and, and maybe you're not tempted to fall down and worship a small idol, but maybe you're worshiping something else. What, are your wor- what do you place value in? Uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar, he was the king at that time, and he was now building a golden idol. And he said that w- as soon as we play the instrument, everyone needs to fall down and worship this idol. Okay, it was now a test. Uh, and, and we think it could never happen in our culture. No, but very, very you know, there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of parallels. Fall down and live like everyone else are doing. Follow along. Think like everyone thinks. Eat whatever everyone thinks. Live like everyone lives. Uh, or you can stand out. It's written now about Daniel's friends in Daniel 3.12. But there were some Jews... Uh, all, all right, so they did it. They were playing the instrument, and it was some people that were standing when everyone else were kneeling. But there were some Jews uh, who, who you have uh, set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you, your majesty. They are telling the king now. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, uh, when he faced now Sadrach, Nisak, and, Ab- uh, Mesach and Abednego, he said, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I, had, I have set up? Maybe you will not hear, hear exactly the same in a society, but the society will say, Is it true that you do not think like we are thinking? Is it true? Do you actually think something different? You know, like, that is what you will hear in the society. Uh, and they say, okay, now when you hear the sound of the horn, flutes, uh, citrus, a lot of instruments here, we should have whew, uh, harp and all kind of things. We should have them all here on the Sundays, I think. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? All right. It's a threat. If you don't do what like we do, it's over with you. It's the end of your life. You are certainly going to die. So how can you stand when everyone else are kneeling? How can you stand for something when everyone else are bowing? I think that the only way to stand when people are kneeling is if you kneel when others are standing. If you're kneeling before God, you can stand before men. Amen? 
because you care more about what God thinks than what man thinks. So you need to make it a daily habit of kneeling before God, submitting to Him, and then you can stand when others are kneeling. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. And I love, they are not provocative. They're not seeking a fight. We are not even defending ourselves. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And I love this. They know who they are. They have core convictions. They know what they do and they know what they don't do. We're not worshiping your gods. If you want to throw us into the fire, you can do it. But we will never be in your hands. If we die, we're with God. If we live, we're with God. We're not living in front of you. God is the one we're living in front. You can kill the body, but you cannot take the spirit. You cannot take the soul. Because we're living for something greater. And I think you, we, you and me, we need to know who we are. We, are. we belong to God. Maybe you're here and you're like, it's the first time in a church and this is a hard speech. Uh, I, I tell you uh, that God can change your life. Uh, God is that love that you can devote your life to in the same way as, as, as um, what was his name? Landmark. Um, the, like the German man, he was... He, he didn't follow the peer pressure. He didn't live like everyone else because he found a love in his Jewish girl. And in the same way, when you meet with God and you understand how much he loves you. And that he died on the cross to forgive you your sins and take away everything you have done wrong. And he's giving you eternal life and he's giving you peace of heart. And he can heal you and he can set you free. When you are met with God, when you are been in his presence, you don't want anything else. And you feel like this is worth standing for, this is worth living for, this is worth dying for. Because I have something greater than the world can offer me. You can come with your money, you know, like, you can come with your threats, you can come with your money, you can come with fame and everything. But I'm, I'm living before God. That is what, what, what I'm living for. So we, we're not going to bow down. We're not even defending ourselves. And some men of you, you know the story. They were thrown into the fire. And after a while, while the king is looking into the fire. And it's written that he see a fourth man walking in the fire. And he looks like a son of God. And, 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 and the, 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 the ropes that they were bound with, they are burned up. But they have not been hurt. And they're taking them out. And they're now saying, wow, your God is the real God. So everything is changing because they stood the test. They saw that you have something that is actually working. So, so they didn't bow for the idols. A couple of chapters later, there is no, now a new king in chapter 6. And now Daniel, he's also tested. But they don't try to have him worship another god. They've been giving up on that. Now they just forbid him to worship his god. So they're issuing a decree because everyone is jealous of Daniel because there is a favor upon his life. He's, he has another standard. He's better than everyone else. So they're saying, no, you're not allowed to worship any other God because if you do, you're going to be thrown into a lion's den. People are shivering with fear. And it's written in Daniel 6 and 10 that now when Daniel learned about the decree had been, that the decree had been published, 
He went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. He's not changing his ways, because he has a habit. I'm kneeling before God three times a day, and I do it if you like it or not. This is my life. I'm serving my God, and I'm kneeling before Him and before no one else. You can try to stop me, but I won't stop because I have some core convictions. And I think that we need to be people of prayer. I don't say that everything will be easy in this society. I don't say that you won't meet any challenges or, or obstacles. Obstacles, you will. And Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. But, but take hold, I have overcome the world. And greater is he who is in me than he who is living in this world. You have someone that is greater living inside of you. And he is setting your value. Amen.